The world rewards hard work. Put in long hours, climb the corporate ladder, and maybe if you're lucky, get two weeks of paid vacation per year. But is that the kind of leisure that God envisions for us? Is that our relationship with work that God desires for us? Yeah, in today's episode, we're going to talk about work, and we're going to talk more importantly about leisure and the importance of both. So stay with us. Today's handshake or masculine virtue is that a man knows how to work hard and play hard. He sees value in hard work, but he also sees value in having fun and enjoying himself and really playing in the best possible sense of the word, uh, enjoying the creation that God has given us and in spending time with those he loves. We thank all of our uh, guests for tuning in, for listening in, wherever the case might be. And we want to thank all of our Patreon donors, uh, uh, past donors and current donors. We thank you from really the uh, depths of our heart uh, for your donations to the Catholic gentlemen that have uh, kept it going for these uh, last seven plus years. And we hope to bring a lot more. And so if you are discerning and open to uh, giving us a little something, we've got some great tiers on Patreon. You can jump over to catholicgentleman.com slash Patreon and check out those tiers. Or you can go to patreon.com slash catholicgentleman. So again, we appreciate it. So diving right into this episode, we live in a culture of workaholism. Mm-hmm. It is a culture that supports the uh, the work and overwork and even just an ethic of work that is, um, I would say, toxic to our, our humanity. Mm-hmm. And however, is something that I myself uh, have, have fallen into in battle on a very mm-hmm. frequent, I'd say, daily basis because uh, that's what I grew up in. And, you know, I think of... Uh, how the modern grade school uh, style came into existence where it was uh, basically nine to five, right? So uh, industrialism had hit and the whole conversation of we need our kids to be trained to sit at that desk or sit in that uh, assembly line and work. And so from a young age, we're conditioned to sit, to be quiet, Mm-hmm. to learn and digest, yeah. to stay focused on the task at hand. And while there can be great virtue in that, when that is the sole purpose of life and the sole purpose right. of a day-to-day existence, work becomes an idol. Mm-hmm. Work becomes um, oppressive. Yeah. And, and work becomes just all-consuming. And yeah. so when you leave work you can't stop thinking about work. Right, right. Yeah, and it's especially a temptation for men because we find so much um, importance uh, in our status in our work. Um, But I would say, well, Americans, uh, by and large, work a lot. Um, We don't often find meaning in our work. Mm. It's often a means to an end, uh, the end of making money, uh, which isn't wrong. Yeah. Um, but we, we use it as a means to 
pay for what we consider our real life, yeah. which is the two, three, four hours a day that we're not at work. That's right. Um, you know, our, we buy a massive house, fill it with all kinds of expensive things so that we can be there for only a couple hours in the That's evenings. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then again, you know, we maybe take a two-week vacation or yeah. something during the year. But we consider that our real life, that our work is designed to support. Um, but, you know, other than that, our work doesn't really have any meaning. We could do anything from typing at a keyboard um, to, you know, designing something yeah. to building websites, you know, whatever the case might be. The point is we, we, we don't see a lot of value or virtue or meaning in our work anymore. It's simply about making money. And that's really kind of a tragedy because God designed us to work in the right way. And yeah. he also had designed us to enjoy rest in the right way. Yeah, I agree. And the two aren't um, exclusive or at odds with each other, but mm -hmm. with how we've been raised and how we've been conditioned, mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. And I think of... Um, uh, Joseph Pieper's book on leisure, the basis of culture. And one of the things he talks about is leisure for work. And for me, that really resonated very true. And what mm -hmm. he meant by leisure for work is this idea that rest or leisure is still at the service of work, meaning we get a 30 minute break in the middle of our work day. Um, and I know you and I both, both worked in, in, you know, uh, service industry, mm -hmm. you know, in our youth. And we got that 30 minute break in the middle of the day, just basically so that we could jump back into work and be better right. at work, you know? So the 30 minutes was given so that the productivity of our work after lunch was, mm -hmm. was then going to be greater. And yeah. the same thing with uh, the afternoon, the evenings is that yeah. you're given time off to sleep so that you can uh, then or leisure so that you can then go back to work the next day and, and work all, all the more strong. And so even those times of rest and leisure, mm -hmm. it's backwards. They are flipped at the service of work. And yeah. that in itself is something that we have to, I know I battle with and something that we have to really reflect on. Yeah. Well, and I think part of the reason that we resist that kind of idea is that we see work strictly as drudgery. Yeah. It's something that we put up with, we tolerate, to again, end. in order to facilitate our real life, yeah. which is those moments of uh, breaks or vacations or weekends. Um, you know, you, how many times have you heard the the whole like Friday yeah. or, you know, yes, like, exactly. yeah, thank God yeah. it's Friday. That's or right. Exactly. You know, TGIF. This, yep. Yeah. This, this mentality that, man, I really hate my job. I really hate what I do, uh, but I put up with it in order for those few hours or those couple of days uh, in which I'm not working. Yeah. Um, and I've got to have money to live in those days, you know, those moments. So I'll put up with a 40 yeah. hour work week or whatever. Um, so again, it's while we're working more, we still think work is meaningless, but you know, work is not meaningless yeah. viewed in the right light. That's right. Um, uh, we look at kind of the original model for work and rest, work and leisure, uh, is given to us by God himself. That's right. Because God created for six days and then he rested on the seventh. That's right. Um, and so that's that's kind of where the original model of 
our right attitude towards where Kinesia comes from. Yeah, I very much agree, and I, th- and I appreciate you saying that. And actually, you hearkening back to the beginning made me think of Adam and Eve. Yes. You know, yeah. and how they were to work in the garden, yeah. right? So, so it wasn't that each of them had a hammock, and they were just hanging out for, you know, yeah. as, as long as possible. And they were, you know, reading tablets, you know, they, they, yeah. that's not what they were doing. They were able to work, but with, uh, with complete joy, yeah. you know, with complete yeah. uh, unity with God. Mm-hmm. And, and how, how, how wonderful is that? And to view work like that. And I think, I think that's really good. But, but the friction of work and the tension of work has... Um, has changed so dramatically yeah. as a result of the fall, but also as you know, uh, pursuit of um, greed and money and uh, mm-hmm. status yeah. and everything has so has grown and grown and grown. Mass media helps us understand the successes, financially speaking, of others or the failures of others in ways that you know a hundred years ago even you know wouldn't be the case. You know, we wouldn't be able to. Uh, compare to that degree. And so I think that we have an unusual situation today as men where we're seeing, it's not just our neighbors, it's also all of the 5,000 friends we have on social media and and whatever false sort of um, life they're presenting via their selfies and (laughs) and whatever the case might be. Right, yeah, yeah. And I think... um, it's interesting to note that work used to be about production. Now work is primarily oriented towards consumption. Yeah. Um, you know, you think about uh, the an Austrian peasant yeah. uh, in 1750, um, or I should say, you know, a farmer, uh, whether or not he was a peasant. Yeah, uh, right. But he spent his days in the fields um, working hard. He would milk his cows, you know, tend his goats, um, you know, have his vegetable garden yeah. um, that his wife would use to cook meals, things like that. Um, but then when he had his free time, what did he do? He produced even more. Yeah. He would go home, he'd, he'd work in his wood carving shop. He would, you know, I remember there's a museum I went to once that had all these uh, European houses. Yeah. Um, and everything was exquisitely decorated, beautiful. Mm. Like even the most ordinary instruments, like a bowl, yeah. a spoon, all hand carved, hand painted. Um, and that's what people did in their free time. Yeah. So even when they were done working, they were still working. Yeah. But they found pleasure in that. Well said. Mm. Um, and it's something now that we've lost sight of, the joy of creating, the joy of producing, um, even in our free time, um, it's something that we kind of dread. We, yeah. again, work only to consume. Um, and that, I think that consumption mindset has really distorted our relationship to work and rest. It's so true. You know, and you remind me of this uh, fable um, or this tale of an individual who lived in Mexico, right? And he um, would go fishing every day. And he had to catch three large tuna, um, you know, each day to sell in the market and have enough to eat with for his family and support his family. And it, it took him, you know, basically two to three, some days three, four hours, some days two hours to go catch those tuna. And he would go out and he would come back and he would bring them to market and he would sell them and he would enjoy the rest of his time in this tropical area with his with his wife and children and the 
uh, one day there's a somebody who's vacationing from, say, San Francisco or Los Angeles or some you know big uh, capital uh, mecca, and and he's sitting there and he looks at him and he says, "Hey, I saw you go out and I saw you come back. What are you doing?" And he explains everything I just said, and the guy looks at him and says, "Well, if you can catch three tuna in two hours, just stay out there for." five or six hours and catch nine tuna. Mm -hmm. And before long, you'll be able to hire another hand that can go out in their own boat and do the same thing. And now your two, three tuna have turned into 18 tuna. And that can keep on growing. And he was like, okay. And he was like, and then you'll have a production line and a a benefit uh, great enough that you can uh, package all of that and you can start selling it on a a world stage. He's (laughs) like, but of course you'd have to move to Los Angeles uh, to do that because you need a uh, communications vehicle to get all these things. And he's like, and then if it keeps on expanding, like it's certainly could. You can move to New York. And the guy was like, oh, interested. And then he looks at him and this is the moral of the story is he said, okay, so then after all of that, then what? And he said, well, then you can uh, sell it all, have a huge profit, come back here, relax on the beach, all that you want, and and just enjoy your family, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so obviously we see the, the flip of work done rightly and then work for some sort of gain that is not building happiness Mm -hmm. or not done to help others, but done for the sake of work in itself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think if you look at our original state before the fall, work was a joy. There was no, there was no division between work and suffering or toil or whatever. Um, but that was kind of a consequence of the curse. Um, and yet uh, much of human history has been oriented around uh, avoiding work. Yeah. You know, you look at the whole concept of slavery. What is that about? Why do you have slaves? Well, yeah. because I don't want to work. Yeah. Like I want somebody else to do the hard work. Um, and so we kind of have this wounded relationship to work. But if we can recover the meaning, the purpose, the kind of the divine origin yeah. of work laid out for us uh, in the creation account, work can be something that does bring us joy. Um, Now, there's something else I want to talk about before we kind of get to the whole concept of leisure, which I think is really important. Agreed. Um, But I want to talk about the idea of people saying, I really love this or that or the other thing, but I can't pursue that because I won't be able to make any money so I got to go get a real job That's right. where I have to make money, even if it's, you know, soul destroying and I hate it. That's right. Um, I know that's something that we've talked about before. Yeah, yeah happy to, to jump in and, and share that because uh, that was something with somebody very close to my life uh, that happened, a model figure for me, actually. He went to his guidance counselor and he wanted to be a park ranger, mm-hmm. right? So he loved nature mm-hmm. and... He loved the value of that and the time of, of growth within uh, nature and just the beauty. Mm-hmm. That, was, uh, that was his desire. And I mean, we're talking about an 18-year-old, so not a five-year-old or a right, six-year-old, right. but an 18-year-old who had successfully gotten through school, mm-hmm. had done well, mm-hmm. you know, could have pursued a career or college, you know, depending on. And the guidance counselor quickly told him that that was a dumb idea and that he should uh, reject that because he'll never be able to make 
enough money. Yeah. He'll never be able to grow. And so get a day job yeah. where where you'll be financially uh, stable and successful because that is what's going to bring you happiness. And the individual did that. Uh, he listened to the guidance counselor. And unfortunately, um, you know, it was uh, years of of work and toil and labor without meaning or purpose yeah. or any sense of, of joy, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, and I think a lot of fathers, out of a genuine desire to see their children happy, yeah, and they conflate making money with happiness, um, they pressure their sons, perhaps, to pursue careers that they know their child has zero interest in, zero yeah. passion or desire for, um, and you know, really to, in order to make money. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't, I think there is a degree of prudence required Agreed. here, some, some wisdom and discernment, because there are people who've majored, you know, in things that are completely pointless, you know, uh, or in school and things like that, and they've regretted it later yeah. on. But I think if the ideal situation is there used to be a concept Called vocation. That's correct. Um, that we still use the word in a religious sense, but in the in the past, maybe not even that long ago, there was this concept of vocation where your skills and abilities yeah. that were just naturally given to you. I mean, I think we all know that we have things that we're naturally better at than other yeah. things, along with your interests and desires, yeah. and your ability to contribute to society and make money, all align in harmony. Yeah. Um, so for example, it might be like a child who loves to take things apart and put them back together and figure out how they work. Well, then one day he realizes, Hey, I can actually do that and be like a mechanic and make money and enjoy what I Mm. do. That's perfect. That's right. You know, and, and, you know, I think we should all listen and pay attention to those gifts that God has given us. Um, look for those niches where we're able to make money doing what we love Um, because it is important for a man to be able to contribute and to receive a just wage. Um, but at the same time, I think it's uh, important that we don't lead with a, a, a job or a career as a financial equation. That's right. Well, you know, be a pharmacist, son, because pharmacists make good money. But, uh, Dad, I have zero interest in chemistry. Yeah. In fact, I'm like barely passing my chemistry class. Well, it doesn't matter. You know, so, you can make a lot of money as a pharmacist, even yeah. if you hate it. You know, so that's the important thing. No, that's a, that's a very utilitarian, soulless yes. attitude towards work. And it leads to a lot of unhappiness in the long run. So um, just, uh, just, just a thought. Yeah, there. we see that frequently. And I um, am so thankful. Well, there's... I'm so thankful for my parents who, mm-hmm. uh, when I was desire, desiring to pursue a career as a professional musician, yeah. right? So I know people listening <laughs> in can be like, yeah, good for his parents to redirect him, you know? Yeah. But that being said, they didn't. They understood that I had a, a strong work ethic and that I, you know, was dedicated. Yeah. I was practicing probably like three hours a day. Mm-hmm. My dad had gently guided me mm-hmm. into um, that sort of uh, discipline. Basically, mm-hmm. like, if this is what you want to do, son, right. then you are going to have to show that commitment right. now because yeah. while 
making money as a professional trumpet player is few and far between. It's possible, but it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of practice, right? There's never a professional trumpet player who is like, man, I never practice, but I just pick up the horn and make a lot of money. Like, it doesn't do that. And so my parents, though, gave me this gift of a new trumpet when I uh, got into college uh, that was a real defining moment for me. It was a beautiful trumpet. It was handmade for me. It was one that I got to choose. Wow. Yeah, and it was a, it's a phenomenal instrument, but it said it was more than what this beautiful trumpet uh, um, uh, can do and produce, but it said that, and I knew my parents were very cautious and mm-hmm. like, I don't, but they were going to support me not because I had just um, wanted to pursue a passion without any sort of goal in mind, but because they had seen me dedicated. Yes. They had seen me work hard. Yeah. They know. They knew that um, I was blessed to get into a college and um, basically have the whole thing covered because yes. of my abilities as yeah. a trumpet player. So there's there's something to it. But they also knew that getting that degree and moving forward um, is going to uh, just all around be a better position for me in life. And yeah. so if that's the pursuit that I'm going to take, they're going to be with me, they're going to be supportive, but they're also going to direct, right? My dad right. always direct me on that. But going back real quick to what you were just saying, when it comes to work and it comes to finding work that is fruitful and work that is um, enjoyable, we as fathers have that obligation and uh, to, to find that in our kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe Aristotle called it, I think it was the t- telos, um, this, this idea that, you know, children kind of display these characteristics of this kid is incredibly good at building. This kid is incredibly tactile and, and loves cooking. This kid, yeah. you know, and it, that's not a, a quick, you know, black and white, well, they should be a chef or they should be an architect or something yeah. like that. But... Understanding that that sort of um, tangible, you know, or that sort of book knowledge, this kid loves to read, you know. If somebody loves to read and they're going to go work out on, um, you know, say, uh, building skyscrapers and stuff like that, they're not going to find purpose and happiness because that's so different and maybe there's there's better examples but if this kid liked to be tangible and tactile and build he's not going to necessarily want to be uh, behind a desk right you know plugging away at a computer you know yeah, absolutely and um and so we need to notice that in our kids pay attention right you know to yeah. to these characteristics that our kids display so that we can help them along that path yeah don't force your don't force your child who loves poetry to be a computer programmer. They're, yeah. they're not going to be happy. That's right. Uh, That's exactly right. But let's talk a little bit about leisure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because we've talked a lot about work and kind of our relationship to work, but but there's also a sense in which uh, leisure is also an important consideration. Um, is leisure just vegging out and binge watching, mm-hmm. you know, 10 seasons of your favorite show? Oh, yeah. Or is there something more meaningful to it? Yeah, absolutely. And so I like to start with what the church and what scripture has talked about when it comes to leisure and rest, right? Obviously, we know it's incredibly important from the Ten Commandments, it coming third, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, honor uh, and keep holy the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if we look at the Ten Commandments with a degree of hierarchy, it being number three is, is, is way up there. And then we also have the fact that God in the very beginning rested on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. And so if God rested, as the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, then we should rest. And the Catechism actually uh, makes it a little bit more in-depth when they actually say that it's a protest against the servitude of work and the pursuit of money. And so they're talking about work, I think, like yeah. you and I have already discussed. Yes. Um, but what we can see is that Rest and leisure are really important. And then I guess I, I fast forward into Scripture, into uh, the New Testament, where you know Christ says, "Come to me, all you who are you know um, heavy laden and burdened, and, and place it upon me, and I will give yeah. you rest." You know, yeah. God says, Christ says, "I will give you rest." And and I um, I want to I guess interpret that, or you know, with with the mind of the fathers that. While rest could mean when we die and we get our internal reward, mm. it can also mean the here and the now. Yeah, right. That there's that that there's these periodic uh, spacing of leisure that we need to we need to protect, you yeah. know, and we need to uh, uh, grow on. Yeah, grow yeah. and I think too, you know, you look at why God rested on the seventh day. Yeah. Um, did God actually expend energy and he was tired and he needed to rest? Well, of course not. What was God trying to show us? Because I think when God ever does anything, it's never for him, it's always for us, right. right? So what was God trying to teach his creatures by resting on the seventh day? I think first and foremost, he was trying to show, he was demonstrating the sanctification of time. Remember, time yeah, was a new concept right. following the creation, right? Yeah. But what he was telling us was that there needs to be a moment where that you set aside for me in preparation for eternity. In yeah. um, you look at uh, the the, uh, the Sabbath was always in the, to the Jewish people was always the holiest day. Yeah. There were great preparations before the Sabbath. You would do all kinds of work and labor just to make sure that you didn't have to work at all on the Sabbath day. Yeah. Um, that was the day that was set apart. You know, the word sacred means set apart, something yeah. not ordinary, set apart that is sanctified for God alone. Yeah. And that set apart time then gives meaning to the rest of the week. That's right. Um, it orients the rest of the week towards eternity. Um, and in the New Covenant, we don't no longer observe the Sabbath on Saturday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. but it is Sunday is our new day of rest. Right. And the church has always had that as part of, you know, the kind of the commandments of the church is to yeah. remember That's the Sabbath. Sense. They don't yeah. tell us how, per right. se, but they do say that the church does tell us that we need to remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, That's keep right. that sacred time set apart for God. Um, and... I want to say more about that, but I, I just want to, you know. I think that, I like that, yeah. And so, you know, when we're talking about leisure, I think one of the things that I myself have struggled, well, I know one of the things that I myself have struggled with is how to do leisure well. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it is 
the lack of excitement mm-hmm. in whatever leisure I'm about to pursue. So my brain's so fried at the end of the day, and maybe I don't have a project or a hobby or something like that. And so the leisure done right um, is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. It's not... Right there's nothing exciting there to prioritize, mm-hmm. and so you find yourself just sitting on a couch. Many people just binge watching TV, you know, and and when you when you leave binge watching TV, you don't wait, you don't stop feeling rejuvenated and refreshed. Maybe there's some people who do, yeah. but I certainly don't. And so I like to talk about the importance of having a hobby. Mm-hmm. Or having an activity that excites you, yeah, right. So when there is a hobby or an activity, be it uh, woodworking or music mm-hmm. or you know cooking, you know for many mm-hmm. or gardening or these sort of things, then you have something to look forward to, yeah. And 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 it's so much easier to commit to leisure mm-hmm. when there's something that's exciting waiting for you yeah. when when you're able to spend that time on it. Yeah, and something I, I think you're you're you used a really good word there, just rejuvenated or refreshed. Like what leaves yeah. you feeling better than when before you started it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I know it's you know it's kind of nerdy, but I I like reading. Yeah, you know? sure. And uh, on a, a Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, the kids are maybe taking a nap. My wife's yeah. taking a nap. They're just kind of re- relaxing. I love to just grab a good book, maybe a stack of good books, yeah. and just read. And mm. when I'm done doing that, I just feel so much more peaceful, relaxed. And um, sometimes, you know, uh, another thing that is, there is, there's, this, 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 this sounds funny, but there's such a thing as active passivity in the yeah. sense of sometimes I'm just sitting in the hammock. Yeah. Um, and just gazing at the sky or watching the trees up above. That's right. I'm not completely passive because I am no. observing attention, bringing my attention to what's I going on that. around me. Yeah. But even that, just sitting there and enjoying the sensations of the breeze or the warmth of the sun um, and giving thanks for that with a quiet heart, you know, is a, actually an act of uh, active leisure yeah. that can be very relaxing, but that is also... Uh, externally doesn't look like you're doing much, but you are. You're just resting in God's hand. And I think, um, again, kind of returning to this theme of the Sabbath or this set-aside day of the week, sanctified time, is a preparation for eternity. What are we going to be doing in eternity? Well, we're not going to be working, at least in the sense that we work now, um, you know, stretching our muscles and sweating. And No, that's not what we're going to be doing. We're going to be simply receiving the gift of existence right. with exuberant joy. That's what that's what heaven is. Yes, yeah. You know, the beatific vision we talk about that. You know, just it's basically gazing on the essence of God with awe and wonder and appreciation and gratitude, um, and that's what we can practice doing yeah. on the Sabbath. Just receive the gift of existence. Just be for one day a week. Stop doing and start being. Yeah. Um, and it can be a wonderful window, an opening from our ordinary existence into kind of the joyful peace of eternity um, if we approach it in the right way. And don't fill up our day with a bunch of frenetic activity, um, but those things that are the most meaningful to us and that are the most joyful to us. Yeah, and I like what you're saying about Sunday, and I think it's important to talk about that as as an individual or as family. Mm-hmm doing things that are conducive to leisure, mm-hmm. that are 
active, even if it's it's yeah, it's it's um, active passivity or things yeah. like that. It's it's still active, which means we make a choice. Things are not happening to us. Mm-hmm. We are still in that forward movement, even in our day, mm-hmm. because I think of um, uh, family time, and mm-hmm. you know we've talked about needing to protect that family time, and so the let's call it the art of leisure definitely takes mm-hmm. a little bit of forethought before we jump right in. Because if you don't, you're going to jump into uh, that activity and and the minds of others are going to still be pulling you in different directions. And I know that when I haven't prepared for it, uh, the mind here doesn't turn off. And so then I start thinking about work and I start thinking about all these different things. But when I've had the forethought with my family to say, hey, on this day, we're going to do uh, these activities, we're going to play a game. We're going to, you know, go uh, hiking. We're going mm-hmm. to, we're going to hang out in the backyard. You know, yeah, right. you know. I think of Andy Griffith. You know, and there's this, there's a great scene in in one of those episodes where, you know, he's sitting on his porch on a Sunday, and Barney's sitting next to him, and Opie's whittling in front of him, and he's just playing a guitar. Yep. And and you know, and Aunt B is cooking, and and we assume that Aunt B liked to cook. Um, <laughs> you know, and so they're all actively involved in leisure. Yeah. You know, and they're but they're relaxing, and you, it's just, it's such a great uh, thought and a great image, and and we can achieve those things, but I think it needs to take. I know it does. It needs to have. Uh, a forethought, yeah. you know, and and I was just thinking about how even within our our day to day, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to take leisure and you're going to do something that you like, it's it still has to. You have to know what it is first. Yeah, like what is it that when I'm done, mm-hmm. I leave feeling I feel great. Yeah, I feel better than when I came. Yeah, you know, and for me, I know woodworking and actually making music when I'm um, n- uh, not doing so with like an end in mind, but when I'm just able to sit back and make music or when I'm able to go out and work on a bench or work on a bed or work on one of these sort of things, they're, they're not, you know, I'm not selling this stuff at, at any sort of, um, woodworking bazaar or furniture warehouse or anything like that. I'm just doing it for myself. I'm doing it for leisure. My kids already see me as, as, uh, as a hero and as amazing. So they're, they're (laughs) they're an easy crowd and I'm not even, you know, but I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for that, um, that active, um, it's, it's a distraction from work, but it's something that, uh, is, requires my attention, but is, is so rewarding. Yeah. Even if in every single woodworking project I've done, there are things about it that, oh, if I only had this, or if I did it this yeah. way, darn it, I should have measured yeah. all these things at the beginning or yeah. something along those lines. Uh, the whole process leading up to building that is something that is really rejuvenating yeah. and and really, um, really uh, desirable. But again, if I don't know what I'm going to go do and I go stand out in my my shop with my carpenter's table in front of me yeah. and I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I don't come up with great ideas real quick. Right, I right. just stand there and I'm like, no, it's not happening. And then I go back in, you know, so that forethought, that, yeah. that understanding what it is first that gives you leisure, but mm-hmm. then having the forethought to, to plan, you know, yeah. for those times is, um, is how I think we can really uh, capture and bring back yeah. leisure into our lives. Yeah. Well, and I think 
when you talk about like Sundays and things, people sometimes get really legalistic about it. Well, you can only do this, this, yeah, and this on Sunday. This, that, yeah. You can't go shopping. You can't go out to eat. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, and we can basically turn into Pharisees about it. Correct. The one criteria I use, though, is do you want to do it? Yeah. Sunday is the day of no guilt. <laughs> if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Do it. If you yeah. want to do it, do it. Yeah. In the sense of, you know, uh, if you want to take a nap, by all means, take a nap and don't feel guilty that you're not doing something else. That's right. You know, if you want to read a book, read a book. You know, you want to go to the park, go to the park. That's right. You know, you want to cook out in the backyard, cook out in the backyard. And, you know, it's the day I do this it. is the day of guilt-free play. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but beyond Sunday, I want to just kind of extend this beyond Sunday real quick. Uh, please, yeah. Um, because what we're talking about really is leisure, at least in my mind, is sanctifying time. Yes. Um, and that occurs in multiple different ways. And one of them is setting aside one day of the week that's different. Yeah. One day of the week that's sacred. That's wonderful. But that also applies to every day of the yes. week in the sense that it is important as kind of an extension of the third commandment mm. to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, sanctified time to keep it holy. Let's set aside some time every day to also sacred time that is not ordinary in the sense that it's set aside for something like prayer and meditation, yeah. quiet time, whether that's reading your Bible, whether that's praying the rosary, whether that's liturgy of the hours. Yes. And there's no right way or wrong way, but the point being we set aside time either in the morning or in the evening or somewhere where we are giving time to God. It yeah. is sacred time. It could be five minutes. It could be 15 like it. minutes. It could be 10 minutes. We're all busy. We all have different schedules. Yeah. But set aside some time every day that is sanctified for God and that, like Sunday, can be like a little window into yeah. eternity. Yeah, I completely uh, agree. And I think that's so important. And it's also priority, you yeah. know? It's also right order, right? Yeah. And these things that I know I keep coming back to but are so uh, part of our very being mm -hmm. when viewed rightly or when viewed um, within God and his, his creation in mind because prayer is of utmost importance. And, um, you know, and we are called to that time with him and setting that aside daily mm -hmm. is, even if you don't want to do it, I'd say is important because you know what's right mm -hmm. and you know that it is worth the dedication uh, to do this. But you're exactly right. When done um, for five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever the case might be, and done with direct intent in mind, grace will be there. It will, it will grow within your heart and, and God's able to work. And so I appreciate you mentioning that, that it's not just about uh, hobbies and woodworking, which I am in incredibly supportive mm -hmm. of. And I think that every man needs to have hobbies and mm -hmm. needs to find those hobbies which aren't taking him away from his family, mm -hmm. but are providing a refreshment, rejuvenation, maybe even bringing the family along the yeah. way. I'm strong proponent of that, but yeah, absolutely the rest involved within prayer, yeah. you know, and every monastic tradition has yeah. something in, in this similar vein and how important it is for us to structure 
our day even, you know, yeah. according to that uh, morning prayer and evening prayer, you know, morning prayer, prayers between uh, meals and, you know, there used to be the Angelus that so many people would, mm -hmm. would partake in and stop in the middle of the field and pray mm -hmm. the Angelus and stuff. And these sort of things are so important to balance mm -hmm. ourselves as humans. Yeah, I love St. Benedict's motto, you know, Ora Elabora, where yeah. he talks about that balance of work and prayer, not as though they are opposites, mm. but as they are complementary. And right now, here on this earth, it might feel like they're different. Yeah. Um, it might feel like they're separate. But I think our destiny, our eternity, is where they will become one. Uh, work will in eternity, like, what is it? What what will our eternal state be like? Play. Yeah. Have you ever had a moment where you've been so absorbed in something? Psychologists call it flow. Okay. You've been so absorbed in something that you lose track of all time. Yes. You've just you're so absorbed in it. You're so concentrated. Yeah. And you're just so enjoying it that it's all of a sudden you look up and two three hours have gone by yes. and you're like, well, it's like two minutes. Yeah. That is what it's going to be like in eternity. Yeah. Joyful play in the sense of work that doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Uh, creation that doesn't feel like creation. Like joy that a uh, joy in the work that we do, or not 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 work in the sense again that we do here on earth, but perhaps uh, just enjoying God um, in this effortless, timeless yeah. way that just sweeps us away. And like I think that's again what the Sabbath, what the sanctified Sunday, what the moments that we set aside during our day, it's what they're a preparation for. for. Sure, absolutely. You know, and and it's um, it's necessary, right, for mm -hmm. us to, to at least be able to touch that and yeah. to experience that. And so I think with a leisure in mind, uh, time for relaxation and refreshment is, is vital to our lives as men. And mm -hmm. that is why men uh, need rest, mm -hmm. is um, so that we can uh, constantly pursue the good. And, and it's a part of, of God and a part of how he made each of us um, within, our, within our very being. Yeah. So, Well, and, and it's never too late to find a hobby. You say, well, right. I don't have a hobby now. Um, maybe I'm middle-aged or whatever. Well, it's not too late. Start exploring, no. kind of find that that uh, inner childish curiosity right. where everything's interesting, try an instrument. Yeah. If that doesn't work, try woodworking. You might love it. That's right. Try you know? building a ship in a bottle. You yeah. know, try right. try cooking, you know, right. barbecue, uh, yeah. myriad some of things. Beer. Brew some beer. Um, yeah. So there's there's infinite ways, infinite things that we can do. Yeah, for um, sure. Just give something a try and see what happens. Absolutely. Well, I think it's great. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Well, as right. usual, we end our show with the nightcap or the manly item that we enjoy. And yeah. today I brought one that uh, has kind of been a companion uh, with me for a long time. Um, I've had this probably 12, 13 years now. It's my messenger bag here. Yeah. I got it in college. But uh, I got it from a leather goods shop. Great. Um, it's going to stay strong. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been many thousands of miles with me on different trips. Um, but a leather bag or a briefcase can be an awesome sure can. companion um, that Great can last idea. decades. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, it's lasting decades, right? There is um, longevity 
in quality. Yes. And um, I, I completely uh, agree and I'm excited about that because uh, leather it goes a long way and it looks, it's very authentic. It's, it's very much um, uh, nice to, to feel and it's, it's got that durable strength. And so, yeah, I think it's great. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. And as always, be a man, be a, be a saint. saint.